Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Today's guest, we have a guest. Hey, we have a guest. It's been a while since we've had a guest. Um, we have a guest. His name is Alex Kaufman, and he is a friend of mine, a, a guy that started comedy right around the same time I did, close enough to me that I would say that we started together. Um, he eventually moved to New York for a little bit, and now he lives in Montana. He's going to college in Montana, and while he's there, he has started a company called Bone Dry Comedy. And it was through him that I booked two of the four shows that we did in Montana. And I can't remember how in-depth we got on the shows. And I'm not going to listen back to the entire uh, conversation that we had. So um, if I left anything out, if there's some gory details I left out, that'll come out on the Thursday episode. You can follow Alex at Dustiest Golf. I have to assume that references the car, but I know that he doesn't own a Volkswagen Golf because I rode in his car all weekend, and it wasn't a Volkswagen Golf. Um, you can find Bone Dry Comedy at Bone Dry Comedy. That's the that's the company that he owns that he books some shows through. He books some shows at the the club that I performed at called last best comedy along with a couple other places and uh i hope you enjoyed this episode we're, we're old friends so we get you know i tried to you know it's a balance of we've got a few inside jokes a few stories where we know the details and i'm not gonna give the the full details on the podcast and then i think some just fun stuff that happened this weekend so i hope you enjoy this podcast follow me at the casey mcclain uh, find me at my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com slash calendar. I'll be at Airport Tavern uh, November 3rd, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this the day it came out. Uh, November 17th is the only other show in November, every Wednesday after that. And then uh, where am I going to be? Lincoln City, Oregon. Um, Yeah, what? Lincoln City, Oregon. Tacoma, Washington, Spokane, Washington, Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'll be all over the place. Come on out. Somebody's either shooting off fireworks or guns in my apartment. That's why I have the next door app is to find out are those gunshots or are they fireworks? You might not even be able to hear them. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast and I uh, hope you enjoy Alex Kaufman and I will talk to you soon. So we got done with... Um the last best comedy club i've talked on the podcast a bunch about how i'm trying to record some material mm-hmm. and we we'll, we gotta i gotta review the tapes to see if tonight was the night that sure. we release i the, the place is amazing but the um um well hopefully i'll be back so i won't talk too much yet and i know that you're this is alex coffin you're gonna be have been introduced but i feel like you feel like you're wait. it feels like you're waiting for an introduction yeah yeah i mean i feel i don't know i don't know what order you do things do you do you, you just start in a conversation and then later you go back and i'll do an intro before i release it oh, okay that's how the sausage gets made that's it is that's is exactly <laughs> how the sausage gets made um i'll turn you down just slightly okay just slightly don't get self-conscious about it everyone gets okay. worried that no, that's fine i'm not i mean whatever so uh yeah we were at last best comedy club mm-hmm. you are like the prince of Montana, the little prince of Montana, <laughs> booking in that in that my story would make you cry. Is that <laughs> <laughs> we've known each other for 
like six years or seven mm-hmm. years, almost seven years probably. And um, you're a stand-up comedian and also the one of the co-owners slash producers of Bone Dry Comedy. Yeah, that's in right. In Montana with, mm-hmm. say her name, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> Rena Teal. Rena Teal is the other co-founder. I didn't get to meet Rena. She fucking left town because she found out I was coming. So mm-hmm. that was that was a big part of it. Um, man, you, uh, I just I like I'm I'm hesitant to talk about. I don't want to talk about the frustrating stuff from this weekend, except for we should talk about. We were just talking about the bad luck that I've had recently. Like you and me? No, we were just talking about it. I, I think I should tell this on the podcast because this was before I had this podcast. Is uh, so we had a show on on Friday. Mm-hmm. At a place called the Rathskeller in Helena, Montana, where you're going to try to produce some shows in the future, and yeah. that I'm going to try to go to again with like a full. Well, we'll explain. Uh, <laughs> so the when we left this podcast last time, when I, when I last talked to these folks, I had not, um, I didn't know what was going to happen with that show. Right, it right. was like in peril. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's the I, I listened to it just before you got that. That's the one episode of this podcast that I've listened to. Good, it's more than <laughs> so a lot that of I can people, seem like so. a good uh, friend. I, I yeah. was like, oh, I'll know what Casey's talking about when uh, when we get there. Yeah, and I mentioned that it was like so the booker got fired. If you were if you were mm-hmm. on the edge of your seat, everybody, the booker who uh booked me got fired, which specifically because he booked me. They were like, Who <laughs> the fuck did you what are you thinking? And uh we had to like basically the, the place started promoting the show one day before the show. Yeah. It was still Thursday pa- morning that would, they posted about it. Yeah. And it was ju- I think it was just Instagram. I don't know if they posted on Anything Facebook, uh, they might have posted on Facebook, but I mean, yeah. that that is like the you know one thing that you can do for free the day beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> so, supposedly they were running ads, is what the the lady okay. in there told me. But and and by the way, shout out to the Montana Club and the Rathskeller because we got eleven people in there in that one day. Yeah, with yeah. them, I think telling people there was a show downstairs totally. and the the host um, Nick, what's his last name? Banish. Nick, Nick Banish. Banish. Yeah. He. Uh, I just paid him on Venmo. I should have known that. <laughs> uh, he brought like six of his friends down. He brought over half the crowd, got paid the least, <laughs> drove us there. <laughs> but I mean, the Montana Club certainly lost money on that show. So, yeah. but they yeah they were really cool about it though. I mean they they actually um, I mean the fact the fact that they were telling people and went out of their way to go upstairs and like tell the band to send people down from the, that's very nice yeah. <laughs> yeah to get the band to do that. Yeah, I never. We never went up to the Montana Club. I kind of am curious. So I made a joke in there about. So the, I've noticed this specifically about Montana, which is surprising that this is the place. But I've never done comedy in a place, and I'm including Seattle in this. Mm. That's more sensitive about race and racism. Sure. Yeah. Um, every race joke that I have had like the. I have a joke that's like truly like a one the only time it's ever failed mm-hmm. is i opened with it one time it's this uh story going to atlanta hanging out with a bunch of black dudes mm-hmm. and it's got some like racial stuff in it and it's o- the only time it didn't work was um i opened with it mm-hmm. it's got to be a little ways into the set because right, it's dirty right. they have to know who you are it's dirty it's racial it's you know whatever yeah, yeah. and um it's like had periods of just eating shit for like chunks of the joke mm-hmm. this week, yeah. <laughs> which has been interesting. <laughs> but it's also like, it's funny because, and I said this to you and I said this to a guy in Billings that like, 
if black people were in the crowd, which mm-hmm. there's zero to be found, yeah. we had zero black audience members all weekend. I think there was an Asian guy today. That's the closest we got. Uh, yeah, there was there was one guy in, in, in Townsend who was maybe ethnic, but that is as, I mean, it was definitely on the on the line for sure. <laughs> like, I well, I mean, you, you might be operating under some yeah. pre-Civil War <laughs> definitions of race if you think that guy was black. I don't think that guy was black. I think he was maybe... Not a hundred native or white. Hispanic or something like that. Yeah, ma- yeah, maybe just maybe Asian. not white is all I'm saying. Yeah, there might have been a couple, um, yeah, non-white folks, but there were like zero black people. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen true. since we've been here like two black people. Yeah, and I I think they were traveling through, not mm-hmm. that live here. Yeah, the safest way to do it actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's been interesting. Also, they're like. It's it's funny because they're so like like gender and sexuality stuff they're like into. Mm-hmm. They think it's funny. Montana like, or black people. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would never profess to say what black people are into except for that joke when they're in a comedy audience yeah, already. Yeah. I don't know that I could just say it on the street and win over hearts and minds, but um but so anyway, yeah, gender and and sexuality and stuff. They'll laugh at that, but yeah. like, yeah. I feel so. And then I made a joke at the Montana Club about. I made a joke that was uh, serendipitous mm-hmm. because I said that it looked like a clan meet. Clan meetings used to be held there, yeah. And they only or they uh, got rid of almost all of the <laughs> racial architecture and there were fucking swastikas <laughs> in the in the tile. It was it like was a, the tiling in the entryway. Yeah, the tiling, yeah. the the pattern on the tile in the entryway. Of the Montana Club is, I mean, I guess reverse swastikas. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that means that they aren't racist. <laughs> like... Yeah, they're the kind that you would find on a temple somewhere else, so that they can get away with it. I think that's the. I think that's the idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope we don't have COVID. I, um, so. I didn't get my booster shot, also, which I, I think you did, did tell them. You did tell them that you were going to get your. Booster I know shot. it was scheduled, and then I got. Um, I got there. So I threw out my back. No, I did say that. I threw out my back, and I didn't get the booster because the power went out. Oh, maybe I didn't listen to the <laughs> You might have listened to the one right before that. Maybe, so yeah. um, anyway, uh, but let's talk about your – so you're a comic that I met. We were t- <laughs> we were driving to this uh, show in Helena, and we did a thing that we're about to do to the audience that's not very nice, which is we just started talking about – we did a thing to Nick – yeah, that we are going to do to the audience. It's not very nice, which is we started talking about an open mic that he's never been to, never heard of, that <laughs> doesn't, doesn't exist, exist anymore. anymore. The the business that it was in, like like many open mics, open mics are business. I actually don't think they're business killers. I right. think they are like the they are the uh, playing of taps. Yeah, you yeah, exactly, I mean? exactly. This is like, how do we get anybody in here who will at least drink a couple of beers? They're like, yeah. well these people <laughs> yeah and then they they underestimate like half of comics are sober the rest of them don't want to pay for beer so mm-hmm. yep <laughs> did i remember at that place because uh we were just talking about this i used to go to this bar called the copper door which was my favorite bar ever mm-hmm. and they had um like hundreds of beers in cans and bottles that you could buy and then also like i don't yeah. know 36 taps or something it was also like the bar right across the street from where you lived Pretty convenient, pretty convenient, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens to be your favorite. But, the, I mean, it was lucky, because it was exactly the no, kind of place that I like. I was very serendipitous also. Two serendipitouses on this podcast mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Look at you, SAT words. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the um, So they would charge, like, a cappage fee, which means that when they open it, they charge you a little bit of money to drink it there, which I actually think is a little weird. 
and then they would they their thing was just a flat fee. It was like a dollar or two dollars per. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you go to places, they'll do like an extra. It's the the more expensive the beer is, the more the cabbage fee is, oh. which to me seems counterintuitive. It'd be like you want people to spend less money and then spend less money. If you if they're going oh, and yeah, buying your yeah, eighteen dollar yeah, yeah, bottle of beer, yeah. You know, I guess right. it probably. I feel like the action's the same. I feel like it should just be the same. It's the same amount of work for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, at that peeled bananas, the guy charged like ballpark prices for his fucking beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I would like. Good. I went there one time. I was like, yeah, I want to support this place, and then I'm like, I'm tra- being charged eleven dollars <laughs> for this beer that costs three dollars. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And you spilled it all over my girlfriend. I did spill it all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We. <laughs> trying to get past my actual first story. Um, that was like months into us knowing each other. I mean, I think that was, I think that was like the first time that I think we actually talked though. I think that was Maybe. like, it was one of those things where like we knew who each other were because we'd seen each other at this weird little open mic in the longest room you've ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> did you have this feeling when you started? Cause I did for sure. Well, you started with friends, people you were already friends with. No, no. Oh, you had no friends. In I comedy. had no, I, I don't think I've ever had friends actually. I don't know if I've. <laughs> <laughs> Once this fucking podcast <laughs> over, I'm never talking to you again. I just need to exploit you for content. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I was lucky cause I, so I was started when I was 28 and the mm. reason it took so long is because I was a fucking coward. Mm. And I think it's way braver to start with no friends in comedy. Yeah. I had a friend that like he just like took me to my first open mic, showed me how to sign up. He was there. Mm. I like ran bits past him before oh, cool. and all that. So that was like that was very nice, mm-hmm. but to go like on your own takes I think a level of confidence. Well, I didn't I didn't go entirely on my own. The way that that happened for me um and I I I was like I think I was I I don't remember how old I was, but the uh there, I just I heard about in my dorm room at the college that I was going to that one of the guys in the same building did stand up comedy, and I was very interested in stand up comedy. Um, Who was it? Uh, I his first name's Chase, and I forget his last name now. Um, not a guy that you would know. I don't oh, think okay. um, he didn't stick with it. Gotcha. I think he does like documentary news stuff now or something like that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's successfully. But <laughs> well, as a for a living. Uh, like I said, I don't know if it's successfully. I, I'm not. I have no idea what he does now. Um, um, he's dead. Yeah, maybe, probably. Actually, he's in the bathroom right now. He's coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have him here, like yeah. fucking. Uh, <laughs> it's like to catch a predator. Yeah, to, yeah. Catch a predator. <laughs> <laughs> to catch a guy shitting on a guy who doesn't do comedy anymore. <laughs> I almost shit on you physically earlier. You, today. God, that was awful. We're in. By the way, we're in a. Ho- <laughs> the other part of this is we're in a hotel room in Bozeman, Montana, because I tried to spend. I was going to spend all four nights in your new condo. And, uh, and I didn't get the condo yet. Yeah. And then you are renting like a room in a townhouse. Basically, yeah. And I tried to spend the nights there. And I, uh, I, this was the line of demarcation that I can't stay with my friends anymore. I have to mm. get a hotel. Like I can't sure. be fucking sleeping on a couch. Yeah. yeah. I, I slept so horribly. And I would, by the way, I will say it was a very nice offer. <laughs> Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't. The first night, I go, "Do you have sheets?" And you go, "Oh fuck!" And I go, "What about a pillow?" You go, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> and then I, I get you could bring sheets over, and they're just both the fitted sheets for a fucking twin bed. I literally I, had to wrap them around I, my body to stay warm enough. The pillow yeah. is very thin because you sleep on your back. I'm fucking. I didn't mean for that to happen. I, uh, uh, yeah, that on an air mattress. Did I mention well, yeah, that? You yet? didn't mention that yet. Yeah. And then no. what? What you maybe didn't realize yet because you hadn't listened to the most recent episode of my podcast. And the reason I know that there was one since you listened is because it's called Thrown Out. Oh. And it is about 
I threw my back out last oh, week, and yeah. I did. I yeah. got this Toradol shot. Otherwise, I would have been telling you to fuck off and sleeping. And mm-hmm. so then well, I, I would have put you in my room, honestly. Like so, so the, the the when you told me that your back was hurting really bad, it that like I, I felt really bad about it because because uh, my girlfriend just before like just as we were kind of making that decision was like, Oh shoot. I, I mean, Alex, I don't know if you can make him do this. Cause what if he has a bad back? And I was like, ah, he's probably fine. Whatever. Like it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> just the worst possible yeah. Uh, scenario. Yeah. And then I was trying to work, um, my day job from there, which was fine. That, that part actually went pretty well, except for the fact that I got about three hours of bad sleep both nights. I'm freezing cold. <laughs> I woke up at seven fifty nine to work at eight o'clock mountain time. And, um, and then like the the I will say this, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow you up on this part. The last night I was there, I think you were cooking loudly until two forty AM. I was trying to be as quiet as I possibly By could be. Slamming cabinets. I was slamming cabinets. Dude, I woke up specifically from cabinet noises. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh man. I was trying to close them so soft. It's a yeah, it's a new it, it, place. It was also know. it was a funny thing because it was like you're like, you're gonna have the place to yourself, and then you just like barge in and start cooking sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I was so hungry. I was so hungry. I know, me too. And then I, but I had. To, uh, I also think I got. I'm a real wuss. Blown out. You were back. also so tired. I can't mean, sleep. I can't blame you. <laughs> you can't sleep on this thing. I'm tired. And then I had. I think I had. Uh, I might have had altitude sickness. So I was like, actually, I was like, when we got back, I was gonna eat, and then I was like, I'm not even hungry. I don't feel hungry. I just mm. know. I knew that I hadn't eaten in a long time, but I oh, didn't yeah. feel hungry, which is rare for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> That's actually. <laughs> So yeah, I'm in a hotel because it's worth $200 to not have to sleep on your fucking floor and hear you cough while you cook sausage and sing <laughs> Italian fucking opera. I am pretty good at Italian opera, though. Not to, not but the to first time we met, so I did spill a beer on your girlfriend's phone. Yeah. And I don't think it was damaged, if I remember. No, it was fine, yeah. Because I think I offered if it's fucked up, like... You might have said, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Though. I'm a sweet guy like that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made her fucking. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I didn't, that actually might have been, you're right. That might have been the very first time we talked and like mm-hmm. a nervous oaf, I fucking, which I probably <laughs> wasn't even nervous, but like a nervous oaf, I right. knocked a beer yeah. over and spilled it all over your girlfriend's foam. But the first time I saw you perform, there's just this fucking moon faced, uh, is that are you moon faced? Would you call yourself moon faced? I don't know what that means. I've never heard that. Oh, term the before. northern lights are supposed to be out tonight. They We're not sure looking. are. Let's yeah, okay. take a look out the window real quick. I just see some street lights. Yeah, I don't think those were them. No, I don't see them. You did a. You were doing material. This was like the early. I mean, one of the earliest open mics I ever went to, and you were doing material about um, a boy you made out with in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that's what the rest of this podcast is going to be about. You. <laughs> no, but I remember watching it and you're like, uh, because you, you know, like I think you were using girlfriend and talking about your girlfriend. And I remember just being, it was like a very early moment where I was like, oh, comedy is, uh, is this like kind of alti revelatory vulnerable thing that I keep hearing about on podcasts and stuff like that. Mm. And I, so this is like one of my, the times I've, um, been at an open mic and thought something was funny for like the wrong reasons. Not your thing. Sure. <laughs> but I went to uh, this open mic in Olympia, Washington, where mm-hmm. there was maybe still is uh, an open mic called Vomity, which is attached to Evergreen College, which is a super hyper liberal college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will start doing comedy there and then they go other places and it's like a culture shock that, that not all comedy audiences are uh, 
19 year olds with green hair and super socialist leftist <laughs> communist views right sure. like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and uh i was at this play called this place called a uh, south bay pub and eatery which is also in olympia washington oh yeah i think but i did a show there actually one time i believe it and it was uh an ex- it was a cash only country bar yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and this guy goes up and he goes all right everybody <laughs> i want to tell you about the first time i gave oral sex to a man <laughs> <laughs> No, I think he said the first time he exper- experimented with a man sexually. Mm. And I go, and this dude in, um, I said, I go like I'm now changing it to not me. But this, <laughs> this guy in cowboy boots and like a tucked in like promotional rodeo t-shirt <laughs> and a cowboy hat. He's just sitting in the back of the room and he goes, Next. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, it's fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you like this, you know, very vulnerable story. And he goes, don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, he goes, <laughs> and he goes, uh, he goes, no, it's just, it's not like a gross. It's just, and the guy goes, move on. <laughs> somebody went up after me and, and she goes, uh, so I'm going to tell you the story about blowing a dude and like the crowd laughed. And then <laughs> I went up and I go, I'm going to tell you the story about blowing a dude and the crowd like lost their mind. But it, rem- it was, it was funny because that was like, what you did, I think was in a room with no audience basically. Yeah. yeah. All comics. <laughs> Peel bananas. And I actually thought it was really compelling. Like the way you were telling it was with really unearned confidence. And this guy crumbled. <laughs> this guy inside in this country bar in, in Olympia, Washington crumbled. Oh no. Uh, what's funny is I don't remember that. I don't remember what that bit was or what I even said. I actually, I like, I had a vague memory that I talked about at one time and you have yeah. a very distinct memory of this that I, um, I just remember you sounded like very proud to call him like a cute German boy, mm. which I, I think we've talked about this weekend. He was a cute German boy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an attractive guy. Um, but so then like, God, what do we do? You and I have been through the lowest levels of comedy together. Um, not saying we've escaped them at this point. We're still in sure, them. Sure. I know I'm still significantly lower than you are, and you're not particularly high up. Yeah. You're like staring at me hanging off the bottom rung. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like trying to climb up onto the bottom rung. Uh the uh, we did a remember when we produced an open mic together? Yeah, 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 yeah. I told this story on a I podcast. think you and I quit first. I think you were I, I was first. You were no no, you did you quit way earlier and then I quit significantly later but was second for getting yeah. out of out of that. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, started an open mic with a person who we didn't know was a maniacal dictator and uh <laughs> It turns out they were a maniacal dictator <laughs> and has slowly rotted every relationship of theirs from that. And now everybody else is friends outside of that person. Mm-hmm. But it slowly, like, it was like I quit the open mic. And I think kind of everybody felt like, oh, well, now we got to choose a side and didn't choose my side at the beginning, by the well, way. Well, I, I didn't feel like I had to choose a side. I mean, that wasn't when sides needed were, like, required at that point. When you quit, you just quit because you, like... Like I think I think you had a decent sense of where things were going, and then but yeah. you also like you also were just like I don't want to fucking produce an open mic with six other people. I mean, it was right. like it there were too many people doing that. The the reason I remember is there was a comic, and I talked about this on a podcast recently, so mm-hmm. let's not say his name if you remember it. Nope. But he did some like crowd work that was suggestive, or like was I, I guess like it was sexual. Sure, and. Uh, they wanted to ban him because it oh, could right. 
make someone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Nobody had complained, to my knowledge. Sure. But it could make someone uncomfortable. So they just wanted to ban him with no warning. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, to give him zero description, I said it on the last one, he's of multiple marginalized groups. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm not going to say what they are. We could talk about why I say multiple later. But he was, a, and a, yeah, and that was like, to me, I was like, one of the guys in the group had a joke that I thought was like a perfect example of a joke. Because jokes can make people uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. Par- partially, that's like the fun, is like mm-hmm. to build the tension, break the tension, right? <clears throat> and a guy, and I, he might not ever do comedy again, so I don't feel bad giving up his joke. He had a joke that was like, um, it was like the other day I was watching Home Alone 1 and then I got done with Home Alone 1 and I watched Home Alone 2 and I was like halfway through Home Alone 2 and I just kept wondering like, when are they going to fuck this kid? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course people could be made com- uncomfortable by that. And right. then it became this big thing about how like, because I am not the victim of anything I couldn't possibly empathize with actual victims, which isn't to say that I'm not the victim of anything. Nobody asked Casey, are you the victim of anything, sure, right? Sure. They just assumed right. because uh, they're maniacal dictators that their lived experience. Sure, this sure, was a person sure. who I've never, they've, I've never met someone who says things like lived experience and emotional labor mm, more, more than that yeah. person. That was the first person yeah. I heard say emotional labor. Um, but I do think from that Overall, I would call it for me a bad experience. I like galvanized friendships with every single person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you really have. I, well, we still like talked and stuff. It was just that we were running in other circles, and then more things happened that ended up kind of fracturing right. a bunch of people and stuff. And so, like, like you and I would still hang out and talk from time to time. Like, I think I went to your birthday party after all of that stuff. Yeah, I believe at it. That copper door place. I'm really like in that thing. I was like fine with being friends with the maniacal dictator. Mm-hmm. I would have been fine with being friends with anybody and any of the like comedy drama I've been adjacent to because I've mm-hmm. never really been part of my own. I don't think that everyone has to make the same decision as me. Sure. So like there's people who are boycotting producers and venues and stuff like that. And to me, that doesn't mean that we have to stop talking or being friends. Like, sure. Yeah. To me. Right. I mean, I think that, I think the issue is that the, that, that those people view those things as moral choices. And so they mm-hmm. think that you're like morally compromised. Right. Right. Um, and this is actually the, in the pandemic, I started calling people this, but I think it's tr- or not. It was a little bit before the pandemic, but it's, I think it's the only become more true, mm. which is, I call them the new Puritans. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, like they think this is moral and righteous. Mm-hmm. And so they want to persecute anyone that disagrees. Sure. Yeah. Which the fact that people can't self-reflect and see that that makes them like people who they probably have jokes about, like Christians or whatever. Yeah. It's it's just beyond me. It blows my mind. Um, But so that's where you, you came from. Now you're a dirty capitalist Montana comedy <laughs> producer. <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, for, for, yeah, basically, <laughs> I think that's fair. Why do you live, uh, in Montana? Tell everyone that. Oh God. I don't like to talk about that. It's just, I, I, uh, 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 doing grad school basically is what dragged me out here. Did um, you, so you did because, so I met you in Tacoma when you were going to school in Tacoma mm-hmm. and then you moved to New York, uh, for like a very Sorry, short period you moved of time. To Montana first. No, no, no. I moved to New York first. So really? I, well, I, I would live here for a little bit. No, 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 no. So I, I, I mean, I didn't. I, I wouldn't even call it that. Say that I moved to New York exactly. I, um, I got it like a. I got a research internship at a national laboratory over there, and then right. um, was doing um, 
uh, <laughs> was 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 learning about programming quantum computers, which is like it sounds cool, but it's mostly buzzwords. Um, and uh, that you refuse to put on a resume, huh? Buzzwords that I refuse <laughs> yeah. to put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I, that's been a topic of conversation that I don't know how to get a job, and that's why. I, that's also yeah. part of why I'm in grad school. Yeah, and um, why you're trying to produce comedy shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. No, the um. Uh, yeah, so I went out there for that internship. I had already applied to a bunch of graduate schools and um, then got into one and was like, didn't really want to go, but it was like, you know, um, these people put in a bunch of time and effort into these recommendation letters. I guess like I shouldn't just like shit on their, their goodwill and, uh, you know, accepted the thing. And then I had the summer before, um, you know, the summer before 2019, uh, before t- fall semester 2019, uh, basically to just mess around and i was like well i'm already over here on the east coast i've never really like lived on the east coast when i was a person who could make their own decisions yeah um because i lived in rhode island for a little bit and then uh moved into uh a little apartment in bushwick for like four months and kind of ran around and did a bunch of stuff in new york for that time period and then once that was done drove back over to montana and started uh started doing the whole graduate school thing Okay, so you never you haven't been back to New York since you went to Montana. No, so I did. I so uh, that's so I started. I started graduate school like August twenty nineteen, um, and then you know we all know that now we all now we all know that twenty twenty is coming. But then yeah. I didn't. Um, I was unaware that the number would increment, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so so I start the second semester of graduate school. Whatever the first year is always the hardest because uh, you got to take more classes and it's just intense. Um, and spring break is coming up. And so, um, you know, I'm starting to hear this news of, of, oh, there's this, there's this thing. And I'm like, ah, some sort of swine flu, who cares? It's not going to be anything. And I book a flight to go to New York and spend the week with, uh, my girlfriend, um, because she's still living in New York, working on moving her way out, out this way. Got to yeah. finish a lease, that kind of thing. And, um, <clears throat> basically fly out there. And I, and, and like, by the time that the flight actually comes up, it's like, oh no, this is actually probably going to be kind of bad, but if since the planes aren't totally closed yet, I'd rather spend whatever weird stuff is about to happen with her. Yep. So I take the flight, end up there, and then everything locks down like the next day. And oh, she really? and I are, yeah, her sister has has fled up to Maine, and and it's me and her in her very small New York apartment during the worst of COVID. While people are like, I mean, we we lived in like the hospital district in Manhattan. Shit. We're just hearing uh, um, ambulances the whole time. I mean, it is so dark and so depressing and we yeah. like i mean i mean like i i literally it was it was one of those things where you do feel like it uh if you go outside you might just die because we just didn't know anything that was going on right. really like i watched the when they had that navy hospital boat come in like i watched that navy hospital boat roll up and it was like oh my god like everybody's gonna die it yeah. really was like the apocalypse um i got to see uh bodega shop owners price gouge uh masks which i was happy about because it meant that there were still masks in stock like i actually i couldn't i mean like the first time that we went out to do anything mask like mask policy hadn't become a big thing yet gloves and whatever like we didn't know and so we were just like um it was terrifying and then we saw that they were selling them we were like oh fuck we should probably get some of those and (laughs) you know i remember so first off we should talk about the price gouging thing because it goes into like you have a little bit of a you call it an anarchist uh, streak. Sure. I say you're like a like in between anarchist and libertarian. Sure. Um, which is funny because I kind of feel the same way about. They'll be like, "Oh, so people were selling water for ten dollars a bottle," and it's mm-hmm. like, "Well, they could have just not brought it." Sure. Like sure. it is. I'm not saying that person's morally good, but sure. like, 
they yeah we have perverse incentives it's a fucking emergency yeah like yeah. they're risking a lot that's right. why we pay fucking commercial fishermen so much right and well and if you're if you're i mean i don't i guess i don't know how much money bodega shop owners make but i assume that it's not like i i, I don't it doesn't seem like the most lucrative business in the sure. world right um and if like the world is about to end and everything might collapse like dang get get some money while you can to like feed your family yeah. through this right i mean i i can't really i mean I don't know if I think that like price gouging is like morally good or or anything like that. Like there are people who will try to make that argument. And I don't necessarily agree with that. But also, um, like it's the like a necessary evil. It's a, it's a thing that will happen, and if you don't do it right, there. I mean, I mean, people. Um, the it's like, curb- this is what it's like. It's like firefighters are firefighters, mm-hmm. but when they send them into a like a fucking wildfire, mm-hmm. they pay those guys way more. Yeah, yeah. Than they pay when you're fucking drinking coffee and playing foosball right yeah no exactly exactly it well and it's one of those things where like um if 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 they didn't increase the prices those things would get sold very quickly it's it's i mean it's the 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 uh, curb joke about the the covet hoarders right i mean mm-hmm. the that those people exist and did buy those things and guess what when there were these like arbitrary limits of you can only buy one or two of these things a day or a week or whatever from all of these stores. Well, there were a bunch of people who like drove around and bought them all up from a whole bunch of different places and yeah. then just kept them and didn't or sold them or sold them. Right. The people who were selling them, I think it's more, more, more morally dubious. Right. Um, but if, it, if they're especially cheap and it's like, we don't know when these are going to ever come back in stock and I might die if I don't have this, like I yeah. can't really blame somebody for buying it when it's cheap, you know? Um, yeah. It's more of an understanding people thing than it is like an argument about whether or not it's good or bad necessarily. Yeah, and I think that I mean I, I think you and I probably are on the same page where it's like the we waste a lot of time trying to blame people for bad things that happen. Yeah. Instead of trying to solve the bad thing. Right? Sure, sure. Um I'm just trying to sympathize with people making decisions yeah. that I might not agree with, right? The, or also that I could put myself in a position where I might make myself. Like if I was yeah. a business owner and that's how mm-hmm. I how I fed my family. That's why like I mean, you know, I wanted to, I wanted I was pretty safe for most of the pandemic and then I started um when comedy started coming back, I started to take like calculated risks. And by the time I went on the road, my wife had been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. My mom had been vaccinated. I think my dad might have been vaccinated. Mm. And I had not yet been vaccinated, but I got um, I got my first shot. I wasn't fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I got my first shot before I went on the road. Oh, wow. um, I got it very early because... Um, there was like a an event, like a vaccination event, and it was one of those things where like they had extra doses, mm. and so uh, yeah, um, I go, I went and got it, and then once you get the first dose, they'll give you the second dose, right? Um, anyway, I, uh, but yeah, like I could empathize if I owned a business with like being like, fuck, I want to be open the whole time. I'm I, like many businesses were probably already on the verge of. Yeah. collapse right like or restaurants or not, especially yeah right? those are super low margin super mm-hmm. competitive uh businesses and so um yeah i think there was like just we lacked empathy over we just as a country right now like empathy and it's probably from social media and shit like that but let's get back to you're in new york you got these fucking you're uh you bought the masks when it when i remember my um when it I always took it seriously before my wife, and I'm very anti-alarmist. Like I'm a mm. good, like steady hand in a fucking storm person. Sure. Yeah. But when they canceled the NBA season, or when they postponed it, and mm-hmm. they canceled a bunch of events, um, especially in like tax-funded arenas and shit <laughs> like that, I'm like, the fact that they are shutting down sports to me was like, it was like a fucking crow in the coal mine. Just mm. you know. Yeah. Um. 
that might not be a great analogy, actually. Don't they, wouldn't they take canaries down? They would. They, they would, would if they died. Yeah, if it's they... a rough job for a canary. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I was thinking the crow was louder and a canary sings, but I don't think that's actually the. No, the, yeah, the it's not that they make so- sounds at all. Yeah, it's just that they just full on die, and then you're like, oh why shit, that's. Why would they just do that to canaries only? I think it's uh, so. I think the idea was that the can- canaries are small, and so they have they 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 don't have a high tolerance to whatever the gotcha. thing is. So it's like the LD fifty for a canary is much much lower than the LD fifty for. Yeah, I pr- I'll pretend like I know what LD50 means. But I think I, I actually don't know what it stands for or means exactly. I just know that it's a measurement of how lethal something is. That's gotcha. all. Yeah. Lethal dose? Might yeah, it might be it might be like the lethal dose that kills fifty percent of that species. Gotcha. If I'm guessing based on you figuring out the acronym. Uh, <laughs> we did it. We really did the science here. Um but yeah, I remember and like when masks came, I bought I bought masks on Amazon for too much and they were like too small. It looked like I was wearing an eye patch on my face, but it was the only thing that was available in like a reasonable price. And we, we got them and my wife hated them and she's like, I'm not going to wear this. This is stupid. (laughs) And then like now if she sees someone in the store without a mask, she's like, what the fuck are that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the time I'm sure too, when like the CDC was still saying that like you shouldn't wear them and that it's actually like, this was like when it just during that transitional period, during the transition. Yeah. 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 Cause that was like when, Literally, I got an alert on my phone that said that the Sounders had canceled their game mm. on Friday, and I got on Safeway.com and ordered like a couple weeks worth of groceries. Yeah, and then I heard this mask thing was mm-hmm. maybe coming down the way, and I ordered a couple masks because now there's like Etsy stores full of masks. Yeah, and fuck, but you know, I just was like, we got to get something, and so we right. we got that, and then it was like, you know. It's it's hard to even imagine, and I think like it's kind of that. Uh, well, I want to hear about your experience because you were in New York. I was in a place. I was I owned a house, which is lucky. Um, we had a child and a dog to entertain us, and to give us purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that was, I think, good. And so we were already kind of. My daughter was six months old when it started, and we were kind yeah. of like no, maybe seven, but we were like in the shit. Yeah, and so we were already kind of like you know, strung redlining the fucking our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually like, I think like for a lot of people, it was a little bit of a relief to be like, we're going to get to spend so much time with her Mm. while she's this young. Yeah. But you're in New York in a fucking shoebox. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was small. It was, I mean, I mean, when I, and when I say, when I say price gouging, I mean, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but it was like, it was like five disposable masks for $10. I mean, it was like, it was a lot. And it was also like, Thank it, I mean, I mean, I was thankful that they had them. I mean, like, I right. wasn't. I say price gouging now, but I was like, thank God I can get these because I feel like I might die any day. Like yeah. it was really, it was really like that was when people were still. Um, and I did this. I was, I was one of those people who who was disinfecting their groceries, bringing them home when we thought that, like, um, you know, the that it was transmitted by touch, that it like could stay on yeah. cardboard for seventeen years or whatever the <laughs> <laughs> whatever the idea was. I then. remember the story where they were like the the boat that got. Remember they had the on like the cruise. Yeah, like Worldometer mm-hmm. had different um, different countries and stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the like countries or one of the states in the United States oh. was like this cruise and they had the data of all, like how many mm-hmm. people were there, how many got infected, how many died. Yeah. And But I remember hearing it was like, we found COVID particles 17 days after there had been any crew on there. And you're like, this is a fucking, like this is a zombie disease. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 exactly. And and I, But I remember, I never did the, the grocery stuff. I did like let an Amazon box, I would like bring it in 
let it sit there mm. for a couple days inside of my house. Wow. Yeah. Never, I never like sprayed it down, but I would wash my hands sure. and just let it rest there. But also Amazon was like not, they were like saying like only order shit you need. Basically yeah. we were like kind of rationing out logistics. Yeah. And then, um, um, I know like the other thing I did that was kind of, this is like, makes me sound nice, but I offered to have my mom live with us. Mm, yeah. And she's like, no, I don't need to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> She's like, it'll be fine. And I'm just like, a couple of weeks, no big deal. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's going to be more. I had like a, mm-hmm. I've had a pretty good sense of this until um, the vaccine started rolling out. My mm-hmm. sense was that we were like going to return pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah. And I've been wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not here. In not Montana, here. No, it's it's fucking... been, it was, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of back prior to the vaccine even yeah. here. I mean, it was a little, it was made, it was, it was, Montana was a little too early. I, I, I'll say that like the, um, coming from the place where it was the most intense like i mean um i mean it was it was i was there for i think another three or four months during that time period and like couldn't fly out was working remote grad school stuff trying to like learn fucking physics like (laughs) at a graduate level and and i had just gotten a, a, a research assistantship thing so i had like i had research duties i had teaching assistant duties i had class duties and right. i had like trying to not die in this global <laughs> pandemic duties like it was yeah. it was everything that could have been happening and so getting back to montana and it was like oh i can go on a walk in my neighborhood and not wear a mask for a minute like and i and not feel like i might die yeah it was it was a really big relief and i and i may like maybe took it too much advantage of that as things were kind of coming back because montana has not been doing well as far as yeah, the, well, they're <laughs> in a real bad spot right they now sure are, yeah um you're you got it though I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if I've told, I think I've probably told my thing on here, but I'll tell it to you, even if I've already told you, because I've already, we got too much momentum for me to stop. Mm. In uh, late January, early February, I went to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I was featuring at Helium Comedy mm-hmm. Club out there for a guy named Ismo. He's this comedian from Finland. Oh, okay. And um, he gets in the green room and he goes, uh, yeah, he's like, you know, can I get a cup of tea? And they're like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I have this... 102 degree fever. I can't get it down. <laughs> We're like, ah. And but by the way, like it had just been found in SeaTac Airport and just been found in the Indianapolis Airport. Oh no. And just uh and so um he and he didn't fly from SeaTac, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like I'm in both places. He's got this 102 degree fever. I remember he's like, "Yeah, it's just weird like I can't uh really taste anything." And I'm like, um well, you should order a salad then, because why do you give a shit if it's you know eat oh, healthy sure, if you can't sure. taste it? Right? <laughs> and you just can't get this fever down the whole the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He's like feels mostly okay, but he just can't get this fever down. He's a little bit like sure. congested, but not too bad. Sure. And then I get home and I have, I basically when I get home and I had been so I was um, I went there for my day job and then I got booked this feature weekend also. Mm. So I um, am you know burning the candle at both ends. I'm yeah. very tired. I get home. And I'm just like immediately sick for the next like week. I miss a couple of days of work, mm-hmm. um, work from home a couple of the other days because I could do that back then. Mm-hmm. And then um, my daughter gets sick. My mom and mother-in-law, having never seen each other, both get pneumonia at the exact same time. But they both oh. saw me because mm-hmm. I had been out of town. Yeah. And so I think I had it then. Oh, geez. But I... Um, Cause yeah, I shared like a green room with mm-hmm. a guy for, yeah, yeah, and this is in late January, early February. Right. Yeah. But I never got, I mean, there weren't even enough tests back then, but there mm-hmm. were, I mean, in fucking early February, they weren't testing anybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, t- uh, yeah, the, the, the fact that the delay on the testing for so long is kind of nuts. Um, still to think about, I think, but the, uh, yeah. 
but yeah, it was it was an intense um, couple of months. I, I, I mean, it was. Um, you got it. You actually. Did I actually it got confirmed. it. So so I yeah confirmed confirmed got it like got a test. Um, that was maybe March or April or something sure. like that. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, it sucked. It's it's not fun. Don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> you know, stay safe out there. Yeah. Whatever the 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 things I'm supposed to say. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was awful. It was weird. Um, I I almost wonder if I actually had it at the beginning of the pandemic because yeah. because um, my girlfriend she she had a really long commute um, mm-hmm. to her job at the time. Like I mean, she was going from she was she had like a two hour train ride every every day both directions. Where did she go? She she uh. So so she lived in Manhattan area, and then her job was like South Brooklyn, like maybe three quarters of the way to Coney Island. Oh, okay. Kind of, I mean, far down there, right? So it's um, not just the, it's not like one train ride. She's got to get on two trains at least, probably. At least. I don't even remember and how And then there's like, yeah. yeah, the Brooklyn. We, so we have been to New York, and we took, so we made a, a like a pact, a blood oath to try to take trains exclusively. Mm-hmm. And so we took the... Air train to the subway station, oh, got cool. metro cards, took trains everywhere. Never took even a cab mm-hmm. in the city until uh, the when we're going to the airport, going to uh, JFK, mm-hmm. and we get out. We got on. There's two A trains, which mm-hmm. I know Queens and Brooklyn. I actually don't understand how they are geographically so different. Like people are like to get to Queens from Brooklyn or vice versa it takes forever, but they're like geographically right next to each yeah. other. So yeah. I don't completely get that. Yeah. But um, we got on the wrong A train and we ended up in Jamaica, Queens because it oh, ends yeah. at Jamaica, Queens. Yep. Or yep. it's like, and then there's one that like goes to maybe Rockaway Beach or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I don't remember which one that is. But that but... one also goes to the airport, I believe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got a fucking, we broke our streak. We almost went a whole trip without it. Ah, that would have been cool. But that was a long, um, that was a longer trip. But I've always, one of the things I've always liked about New York is that I didn't think you had to deal with long commutes like that. But, I mean, I mean, like for the most part, you shouldn't have to, right? I mean, right. I, she just the, the the job that she got that was able to pay her enough to, to to live decently. I mean, it was. I mean, even still, like, was not. You know, it was it was tighter money wise, but um, was just that far away, right? right? I mean, and the nice thing is that you don't have to like actively drive, right? That's um, a pretty nice benefit. But uh, but yeah, so she had this really long commute and like. It had to be floating around New York before things actually started to get like scary and locked down. For sure. Um, Did you know they found they've gone back and tested negative flu tests in mm-hmm. Seattle, mm-hmm. and they've found positive COVID tests as far back as December 2019. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Dang. Dang. That's a uh, oof. But yeah, so so we uh, so she was doing so so she was doing that stuff, and um, uh, when I got there, she was real sick i mean she was not feeling well like she was still trying to work because it was you know you didn't know how was our culture two years ago yeah right if you're sick you fucking come in yeah yeah Yeah. well and and she and then it it had like i think two days into me being there it had turned remote i mean it was like i mean i really came in probably dangerously on the cusp but like (laughs) you know was willing to risk it what was the plane like um i don't remember actually i drunk uh yeah yeah high on, i love high on acid yeah exactly i i do i do love drinking on planes that was like one of the things as soon as i turned 21 i was like man i really want to be drunk on a plane dude i went hard on planes when i first turned 21 yeah I, yeah, yeah i get it's that. nice um not that i hadn't been drunk on planes before but uh i i, I drank a lot before i was uh 21 yeah, most of us still. Did. yeah 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 um yeah 
when we when we when my family left Japan, we uh, they they do this um, thing in the in the military when you're leaving this place. Uh, they do like a sake send off. Everybody has like a shot of sake before you get on. They're like, Ah, Alex, you're like 17. Come on, do one with That's us. Great. And I and I did that. You know, it was great. And then they all left the room where the bottle of sake still was, and so I just drank the rest of that bottle, <laughs> and I was smashed on the plane. Like oh, I was, great. I was gone. Yeah, it, I mean, it made a, it made sleeping on the plane a lot easier. That was a long flight, but the. Uh, um, I forgot the question. I lost track of that. I lost How was the flight to New York? Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I definitely didn't wear a mask. I mean, right. masks weren't required just yet. Um, it was tense and I think very sparsely, like there weren't a lot of people going right. to New York. I mean, that was like, that was a, most of the plane flights I think were the other direction. I think they were taking me there just so they could get a plane to go the <laughs> other direction. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, um. It, did you do any traveling besides going to New York? I mean, you obviously came back to Montana, but did you drive? No, no, I flew. I flew that. I, oh, okay. I yeah, I, I probably did more traveling. I should have also. Like, I mean, like I said, it, it sort of changes your. It, it cha- my perspective was was I think different and and probably wrong if I look at it now. But but um, like coming out of it being so intense for so long, um, when it started to loosen up a little bit, and it seemed like. Like, you know, maybe we were, it felt like we were maybe at the point where things might just be endemic now or, or then, I guess. Um, Still, yeah, and now. Yes, and now. I mean, it's probably just endemic now. But, but like, I, I, I was kind of like, well, like, it's been going on for this long. It's been going on for right. four months. I didn't think it was going to go on for much longer. <laughs> but I was like, ah, four months. It's been a while. I've been trapped in this tiny little shoebox with one other person. And, like, we actually, um, we didn't have the classic, like, COVID like like straining our relationship it actually like brought us together in a really yeah. nice way which i'm i'm very happy about obviously but the um uh but yeah i was just kind of like i'm done like it, like i i did this i did i did the maximum version of it for a long time like i did this on hard mode i'm done like i should be able to end now and yeah. um so yeah so i mean i i traveled uh for both thanksgiving and for christmas 2020 I flew both. Like neither of them, I drove. It yeah, was to I go mean, see your family. To go see my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. So, so I mean, not not wise decisions now, but you know. Well, I, but are your family not to blow up again to blow you up? But they're conservatives, right? Yeah. No, they did. They thought it was stupid for me to be worried at all. Um, right. That's yes. That's so weird that it's like because my dad's a conservative, but mm-hmm. he was like, um, and I I don't even think. Because like my mom and my wife, who are both liberals, mm-hmm. I had to like scare into hmm. abiding by sure. shit. I was like to my mom, I'm like, I will fucking pay for your groceries for you to stop going to the grocery store. <laughs> Let me just get them delivered to your house, yeah. please. Yeah. She's like, no, I just like you know, I need a little bit of human interaction because she lives mm-hmm. alone. And, right. Right. Um, and I just was like, I, like my wife and I were not going to the grocery store, mm-hmm. so. If we're not going to the grocery store when it is not a threat to us, we are doing that for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know to, to yeah. people my age, it's right. not a very real threat, uh, at least threat of death, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of wish I remember when um, because there were some comics. And by the way, I'll, remember all that posturing online of like, if you travel during the pandemic, we're gonna remember, yeah, and yeah. we're gonna never. Well, I just didn't post about it. Now well, I'm no, talking about it on a podcast. Let me blow up my own spot. About, like, uh, like Mark Norman, for example. I remember hearing him talk about how he's like he never stopped touring. Like, 
I think he toured as hard during it as not. Really? Because a lot of comics wouldn't go. So there were a lot of open spots. Yeah, that's... And he was, you know, he's trying to advance his career. He's also, like, at very low risk. Mm. I think he would get tested pretty often. Yeah. And I think he maybe already had had it. Like, mm-hmm. he thought he had already had it and was probably yeah. right. And um, I remember going, like, this is a moment where if you can justify performing, it's like... Everybody else in comedy is like taking a step back mm-hmm. because they have to stop for a long time. So even when they start again, they're yeah. not just going to start back up just right. as good, right? Yeah. So they're literally going backwards and you could move forward even faster than you could before because now mm-hmm. there's all these opportunities that nobody wants to take. Right. And uh, I did like, I actually probably did more comedy than a lot of people, but I did a lot of like outdoor shows. Mm-hmm. I did, um, you know, Zoom shows, which I don't know that I actually really gained anything from. I did like even jokes that I wrote for Zoom didn't don't really work mm. the same. Yeah. And um so yeah, I remember thinking like at that time I thought like, God damn, I'm so jealous of these guys that don't have a family they care about. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Well the, I mean for for me like part of going too was like it was it was a really it was it, a lot of conflicting um emotions about about doing those visits because like mid 2019 right after i decided to like stay in new york for that summer before starting grad school uh my mom got breast cancer and right. like like really bad breast cancer like right on the edge of stage three they did all the like the genetic markers and she had all of the worst ones like mm-hmm. it was like i looked up the stats and, and i was basically like, oh no my mom's gonna die like i, I like mourned my mom t- mid 2019 and then yeah. covid happens and uh my mom kind of is like a more conservative lady and she's like oh i don't you know care about this like i'm gonna go to home Depot, and i'm like mom you are exactly the, the the like even if you think that i should be going out you are specifically the group right. who needs to like you are what are you doing and so then i mourned my mom a second time because i was like she's gonna die from covid and now she gets to laugh at me because she's still alive she's kicking it fine like yeah. she, she didn't have a problem because she got lucky as fuck and she's just like yeah you're a, like have, a, have you thought of this like i um this woman so I did a show, a Zoom show for uh, this this like Zoom show company in uh, <laughs> South Africa in, um, I don't know, sometime in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I made like a, you know, I got like a three or four followers off of it all from South Africa. And there sure. was this woman who, I didn't know this at the time, but I think she might have had cancer or something like that that she was recovering from. Oh, wow. And uh, she just died like a couple days ago. Jeez. And I was like, you know, I whatever. I didn't know her at all personally. Like, I had, she had like, you know, complimented my comedy, and mm-hmm. that's actually means more to me than anyone loving me <laughs> in any way. No, but she. So I like, you know, her and her husband both followed me, and I followed them back. And um, I think about like how many people, even like that. I mean, dying from COVID is wild, right? But you just spent like the last eighteen months of your life, like the last eighteen months you'll ever get, mm-hmm. doing nothing. Yeah. locked down right and it's like if you had known that you probably would have just gone and risked it right right yeah and it's tough to be like that's the again it's like the sympathy thing where it's like yeah you probably shouldn't have been traveling but i mean you don't know you could fucking have a there was another lady by the way that i i just um that's like a long time twitter follower of mine Mm -hmm. that i just found out died like uh, within the week yeah and she's 42 had a pulmonary embolism died suddenly wow and her last tweet is like i'm not feeling that great i'm going into the doctor tomorrow and then it's like she's fucking dead wow yeah and you're like fuck that lady's last you know her last 18 months of her life was 
honestly, it was fucking arguing with with conservatives online <laughs> about right. f- like whether or not you should be out or not. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? right. I mean, and I, I will say that like I, might, I mean, with like like I wasn't like like I my parents picked me up at at, at the airport and like my mom was there and I was like wearing. A, a mask and like full like decked out as much as I could sanitizing anything because I because I think I think I still thought that like the um surfaces thing was a was was real and um like just so just so worried about it and my my mom and my dad were both just like what the fuck are you doing why are you being weird about this and I was like because I don't want to kill you like I wasn't yeah. like I wasn't like going and being like oh everything's fine now you know yeah. and I wasn't like oh my mom's got cancer ah well she doesn't care so I don't care right, right. I was like no I don't want to kill you I'm gonna like mask up pretty intensely and, and, and be real weird about it. And then once I get home and we see that I'm fine for like an extra day, then I'll like hang out, you know? I mean, I wasn't like stupid about it, but I wasn't like, I wasn't smart either. (laughs) I bought a bunch of rapid tests Mm. and I have them still. So like when I get home on tomorrow, I'll take a rapid test before we're going to go to my in-laws for trick or treating, Mm. but I'll take a rapid test just to be sure that I'm not positive. Cause they're like, you know, relatively healthy people. They're a little bit healthier than my parents, and but even then, it's like they're in the risky age group, and yeah. you're like, you know, you don't want, yeah, you don't want to fucking create a family tragedy because I wanted to go tell a couple dick jokes in Montana, you know <laughs> right? I mean? Right. And we're all vaccinated now, so I mean, it's not yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, but Montana. The other thing that happened is there were states. It suddenly be, made these like kind of red states with these blue pockets mm-hmm. very uh, attractive to people who are doing creative arts stuff or mm-hmm. doing comedy because comedy is like on its on its comedy is like of the performing arts probably the most conservative which i still think makes it way left to center yeah yeah but yeah. it's like i think it's like <laughs> there are more like i think center left and center right people in sure. comedy than in probably uh you know interpretive dance or ballet right and um so you live in montana you live in bozeman montana when, mm-hmm. but you started to see a lot more people, and so like, you know, you guys basically never stopped doing comedy, or very briefly well, stopped doing comedy. Y- yeah. So the, um, I think that I think it was like early. Where are we in twenty? We're, early twenty twenty one. I think the the one open mic that existed in Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana, started up again. It was all like socially distanced, and it was partially because like the bar was finally the bar that it was in was finally allowed to open again yeah. at like twenty five percent capacity or something. Like you know, masks enforced when you're walking in, sitting down. Like I mean, we still did have all of that stuff in Bozeman, right? right? Um, and so you know, I think I think for a while it was like you had to go up to the mic with your mask on. We disinfected them in between people. I mean, it was like we were still taking it pretty seriously, but yeah, we did we did start up early in I think twenty twenty one. There might have been a no. There was some stuff at the end of 2020. There were there definitely some some shows were still going on, and um, nothing booked. Just just little open mics where maybe five people who were still willing to be outside would like do it, and probably weren't making the best decision. But yeah, right. Um, it. I mean, I will like it did. It has it has benefited me to be in a place where like I could still do stuff, right? I mean, it, at at a minimum, I didn't backslide or or right. Um, well, that's like, like I mean, that. everybody's like, shitting on these people moving to Austin, and it's like, dude, dude, the level of I have probably never felt a level of depression in my life like, mm-hmm. you know, like August through fucking when did when did uh so Tacoma Comedy Club reopened in like February, they okay. shut down initially, and then they reopened on like a weird technicality mm-hmm. in June, mm-hmm. and then they closed again at the end of June. 
And um, because Washington State made it so that you could have no live performance of any kind, indoor or outdoor, unless the audience was all part of one household. Oh, right, right. And that so, was when you guys did all, the, all those living room shows, right? We, well, outdoor, they're backyard shows. Oh, I mean, they truly oh. were backyard shows. I think Gabe yeah. might have done, Gabe Rutledge, past mm. podcast guest, friend of the friend of the pod, he's done, <laughs> he did like a living room one. But it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I did like a hundred acre farm in Eatonville and I did, Gabe and I did a couple back, I never did an indoor one with Gabe, but sure. we did a cu- bunch of backyard shows. They were so fucking fun, by the way. They were like the most, they all felt very special because it was like, it would be like if you lived in Bozeman, Montana, and there was one open mic a week, and you mm-hmm. maybe get booked on a show to do more time. So I do like 20 yeah. minutes, and I'm like, you know, like just trying to remember my material. And right. I'm fucking, these people are happy to have us there, and I'm happy to be there. The Every place I went with Gabe to do a backyard show, I he was getting paid. I wasn't getting paid. Mm. And every place, place, they paid me also. Oh. One place, the guy... Uh, he had me back actually, which was very sweet. But the another the another place the guy um he had made like bar a big barbecue. Mm-hmm. It was by the way, it was it was uh during the height of the wildfires. We had like a big bird band <laughs> and he smoked uh brisket and ribs. Oh man. And we're in his backyard. I I think I was in his back it might it might have been I think I was in his backyard and I go his name's Cliff. I go, uh Cliff is breaking like four laws just by having us here. <laughs> like he's, he broke the burn ban, the fucking. <laughs> so I went home with, you know, a plate of ribs and some money and shit. It was like, yeah. you know, everyone was like, and then when comedy reopened, every fucking show was selling out. It didn't matter who it was. They were, yeah. everything was selling out. And yeah. it's still like, there was like a mad rush from, you know, we talked about it. Like Maria Bamford was doing clubs. Brian Regan was doing clubs. Yeah. Brian Regan was doing fucking drive-in theaters and shit like that. Oh, wow. I didn't hear about that. Um, it's cool. I knew he was doing stuff. Yeah. And it, I think like I still, I appreciate being on stage a ton. There's like a little bit of the like bullshit around comedy that I, that I, I wish yeah. didn't exist. Yeah. But like, I mean, even yesterday we had a show with 11 people that was a huge disappointment. It was so fucking fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, it, it it was. I mean, it was still fun. Um, it's yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun to like even when it's not a lot of people have these like ideas that you've worked and honed to try to make funny. Yeah, make those eleven people laugh. Make yeah. six of those eleven people laugh. Let's and say. also, I think <laughs> like, it's like some of it is like uh, I go up with like this show is just going to be the funniest it can be. I'm not like I used to be like I'm going to work on material. I'm doing material, and it's just material. And now it's like. Yeah, if something weird happens, I'm gonna fucking we're gonna stay on that as long as I want. Like sure. it's my fucking show. It's we I didn't get to do this for so long. Like I'm not mm-hmm. compromising for for other people. And yeah. so yeah, and even like, you know, I think uh I have tried to be like a little more of like a good boy, a good soldier on the like woke front and try to not break any of the rules. And coming out of the pandemic, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like you guys were mean to me before. Mm. You're not. You didn't book me before. You're not sure. going to book me now because because sure. why would you? And all your friends haven't performed in a long time either. So fuck you. And now I'm just doing like the comedy that I'm that I like, that I'm proud of, that mm-hmm. I think is funny, that I think is like justifiable, and also that the groups that I would be like talking about like it's only uh, mid twenties white people that are upset by. All of this usually. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And, and, and that's been a lot of our conversations has been my, like, my, my pushback and slight disagreements with you on, on some of those things. But the, uh, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it doesn't, I mean, so much of it is so overkill that it's not worth necessarily yeah. um, getting too wrapped up in. I mean, like, well, I think that the thing for me is like, um, I used to be like afraid to make the joke, mm. not afraid to deal with the consequences. It was like, even to make, oh, sure, like yeah. I thought the cons, like to me, it's like there are no consequences because audiences think it's fine. Right. right. Uh, really, that's ultimately what I learned is like, I'm going to do the comedy that I like and that audiences like and not worry about what a college student in Seattle gives, like, that won't book me anyway. Sure. Is going to think. Like, right. Or why, what they think the social implications are necessarily going to be from that joke right. versus, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to take the people who it's about opinion yeah. over that person's opinion. Right. Right. Exactly. Time, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. By the way, way to fucking walk your. Opinions from the weekend. Well, yeah, we spent a lot of our time this weekend actually. Me disagreeing with you on a lot of things. I didn't say I didn't say fully disagreeing. I said I said very slightly disagreeing. And yeah, I think we, that I mean, been I a think lot that's, of that's our that's our dynamic is to have, yeah. like I've said the whole time, emotionless conversations about uh, yeah serious things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is fun. I mean, I, I I really enjoy it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I also agree with you on. I mean, there's just. It's yeah. always good to push back on people a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not trying to yeah. be. I'm not trying to save well, myself pushed, from the woke crowd. Back and yeah. forth, right? Like, yeah, yeah well, exactly. No, no, good. yeah. I'm not saying that you were including. The, by the way, Casey was saying a lot of shit, and I kept having to say, "Hey, whoa, hold on, yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, that's not uh, that's not cool around this part. Uh, <laughs> Even in Montana, that's a little far. Yeah. I gotta say, <laughs> that's a bridge too far. <laughs> in a place that allows swastikas <laughs> in the entrances of its buildings. <laughs> God, that woman at the at that show and I, I I said that because Casey hadn't noticed it when we first came into the building and this woman that was nearby got real defensive about yeah. whether or not they were actually swapped. She was going the opposite direction actually. Those are those been peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that's a good spot to sure. end the podcast. Um, I'll tell them it's dustiest golf everywhere. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs>